Welcome to Citizen Science, stories of science we can do together, brought to you by SciStarter. In this episode, discover how you can contribute to meaningful scientific research while you're out playing in the snow. Hey, Bob Hershon here, reporting from my science nook in Tacoma Park, Maryland, just outside Washington, D.C. It's mid-January, it still hasn't snowed here or up in Philadelphia, uh, even in New York, which is crazy unusual. Uh, and also unusual is the enormous snowfall that they're getting out in California. It's just another indication of the extremes in weather events that we're seeing in recent years. Now, while this may not seem important to those of you who aren't, you know, avid skiers or snowboarders or, or snow person builders, where and when and how heavily snow falls is really important to the environment. It's critical to forests and rivers and streams and, you know, everything that lives there and also to water resource managers for agriculture and recreation and industry and, of course, everyone who eats, drinks and or bathes. That's because in many areas, a scant snowpack leads to limited water and you know, even drought over the summer. So you're probably saying, maybe even right out loud, so Bob, what do you want me to do about it? Well, I knew you were going to ask me that, which is why I have as my guest today, Katrine Wickstrom-Jones. She's a cryosphere hazard researcher for the state of Alaska and heads up outreach for a project called Community Snow Observations that needs your help. Katrina is joining us all the way from Girdwood, Alaska. All right. Hi, Katrine. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Thanks for having me and us. Yeah. Yeah. So um, could you tell us, I know why snow is important for skiers and people who do winter sports, but could you tell us more generally, why do we care about snow? Why, why is it important? Well, snow is important all around the globe, really, um, mainly for the important role that it plays for the water cycle. Uh, we can go back to, uh, you know, our K-12 education and uh, remind ourselves about what we learned there, you know, looking at the water cycle and the input uh, that snow plays as a form of precipitation. Um, obviously, you know, certain parts of the world were very warm, um, might not have much snow, but in the U.S., um, snow plays a very critical role for the, for the water cycle. Um, what we are experiencing now in the U.S. is drought in a lot of places, and so it's extremely challenging for water resource managers to estimate um, the amount of water that is available. And so it's, it's critical, you know, to to many different industries for irrigation in many parts of the United States and other parts of the world for our drinking water supplies. Um, and it has a lot of both direct and indirect impacts on our aquatic life, ecology in general, you know, the health of our forests. Um, it could cause wildfires when we have both drought uh, in terms of lack of snow, but also too much snow can be um, bad as well for the health of our forests. So it's, it's a really tri uh, tricky component, um, uh, but yet extremely important. And of course, plays a critical role for hazards as well. Um, not just snow avalanches, but also flooding um, due to snow melt in the spring. Okay. And now how does your pro tell us a little about your project and, and how it figures in with this. Yeah, sure. So Community Snow Observations Project is a community-based or citizen science-based project 
Um, it was launched in, in 2017 uh, by the support of um, NASA, uh, Citizen Science for Earth Science program. Um, that funding has currently expired, so we're uh, now in the search for, for new funding opportunities. Uh, but yet the, the product lives on. It's a product that we're very passionate about. And so what CSO does is filling in um, the data gaps. So currently we monitor snow by using remote sensing data, both from satellites, from aerial, like drones and, and airplanes. Um, we can study snow with um, water stations, sorry, weather, weather stations. Uh -huh. um, so those are, of course, in situ measurements. They're uh, fixated at a particular location, but they can really provide us good data from that location um, over time. Uh, then, in additionally, of course, a lot of science teams go out and, and measure snow in intensive field campaigns, but there's only so much area that you can cover as a team. So. We recognized, you know, there are a lot of backcountry skiers out there, snowboarder, snowboarders and snow machiners and um, snowshoers, just hikers. Mm -hmm. And um, and also, of course, professionals that work in the snow, like avalanche forecasters or hydrologists. So initially, we were really focused on these groups. And we realized that they are, um, that all of them have a great capacity to contribute to snow science in all these areas where we currently lack data. So remote locations, mountainous locations. So that's where it started, where we focused on these groups by targeting them, recruiting them to, to um, measure snowpack depth and submit their observations to us uh, through various platforms that we partner with. So using a cell phone, they could quickly submit the measurement uh, from the field um, by um, you know allowing the GPS on their phone to geotag their location um, and then we got all that data to our database and could use that data to further improve our uh, modeling of both snow depth but also snow water equivalent okay all right and now how do uh, how do people do it is it as simple as just taking a meter stick and sticking it in the ground uh, yes. <laughs> no, really, it is that easy uh, and simple. It's extremely quick. So I think that's that's the reason behind the success of this product is that we're not asking for much. Uh -huh, so uh -huh. let's say you're out skiing with friends, you're uh, skinning up a mountain, and you have a quick water break, then you can quickly pull out your avalanche probe, which is part of the, your avalanche safety kit in your in your backpack and measure the full snowpack depth and submit that. And it literally takes about 30 seconds total to submit an observation. So it's very easy. But if you're not you know, into uh, those kind of sports, we have a lot of participants who you know, use a traditional yardstick um, or a ruler for that matter, if you live somewhere where the snowpack is very minimal and then you can just go out and, and measure that. Um, of course, we're asking for undisturbed snow because we really want that full snowpack depth with as little, um, you know, interference from, from human impact. Um, and oh, then that's submit. right, because yeah. if you're skiing, they have snow-making machines at a lot of the slopes, so that would mess up your readings, wouldn't it? Oh, yes, absolutely, yeah. So typically we we don't really request data from ski resorts because, because of that um, artificial... Um, mm -hmm. impact uh, on the snow so it's it's more for um, out of boundary areas uh, or s 
more straight up backcountry, so remote areas outside of urban settings. Huh. Um, but but we're interested in, in measurements from you know anywhere and and any time. So you know we have a lot of participants who submit measurements from their backyard, and and that becomes very informative when that becomes a place you measure year after year after year then you can really start studying change and that's really interesting for the participant as well huh and for the people who are out hiking in the backcountry i would think a, a a meter stick or a yard stick would be kind of unwieldy do you have like special ones that fold up or something like that yeah that's right so snow snow avalanche uh, probes are about you know this long in your pack and and quite skinny and it folds out, so um, it's a very uh, slick tool to bring with you in your backpack. But but otherwise, you know, one of those um, like uh, measure tapes, they're they're pretty uh, you know easy to to bring with you as well. A little bit harder to keep straight when you're measuring snow, mm-hmm. and obviously then you have to dig a little bit more to really be able to stretch it out and and see how much snow there is on the ground. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of different options, so whatever works for you. Huh. And do you have to be careful about, um, you know, how level it is or whether you're in the shade versus in the sun and things like that? Uh, it definitely needs to be straight vertical. Um, so we want that uh, straight vertical measurement of snow that gives us the best idea of the depth. Um, it doesn't matter if it's in a sunny spot or in a, in a shady spot. We're, we're interested to see how the snow is distributed in the terrain. So covering all of it and even covering areas in the forest is interesting as well because that's typically also areas where we have kind of rough estimates um, due to the the uncertainty in how snow interacts with vegetation so um, yeah because yeah, really. it's, it's kind of be lumpy sometimes you know from the trees you know there's areas where there's not much and then there's a lot and then it's yeah kind of- I, I should say that we typically recommend uh, users to find a spot that is somewhat level as well. So uh, you want to avoid areas where you have a lot of variability within, let's say, uh, a meter radius. And then when you do a measurement, uh, maybe take an average of three within that one meter radius. That way you can you can tell that it's sort of a good representative of that specific spot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, and so then it's just a matter of um, using your, your cell phone to submit it? That's right. So in the past, we have used an app called Mountain Hub, and that ha- that app has now retired. So we are now working with uh, Propagation Labs, is the name of the company, and they have an app called Snowscope, and it's a really nice, easy app to use. Uh, it also allows the user to submit manual snow pit profiles. So that's a, a lot of interest from uh, the avalanche professionals that we work with. So that's really great. But we also um, participate uh, or sorry partner with other apps as well um, such as um, sitside.org, uh, RegOps which is a popular app in Europe uh, in particular in Norway um, and then also Snowpilot which is which is a, a desktop software and very commonly used um, among snow and avalanche professionals but we get data from there as well so it's you know the user can really pick whichever app that works best for them. Great. Okay. And uh, are you, I assume you're looking for more um, volunteers, more contributors, and are there places where you are in particular need of people? Like, oh, we don't have anybody in this area, but we have way, you know, plenty of people already here, so we don't need any more. Um, how about that? Well, honestly, 
at this point, our product has really gone a really amazing reach all across the U.S. and it's it's quite impressive. Mm. Um, it started off with focused on Alaska and then it spread into you know the uh, Pacific uh, Northwest area, but but now it's really all across the United States. Uh, we have a really great support on the East Coast as well, which is very exciting. Um, but I'd say there's still you know not a ton of participants in southern u.s uh, mainly i guess because there's not a lot of snow yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know the snow that falls down there that would be really interested interesting to capture um, and then you know s- southern states and also um, you know southeast uh, southwest as well it's a little bit less participation there hmm. so um, but yeah you can go online on our website to see uh, you know how, how many submissions we've gone so far where the concentrations are and if you find yourself being in a spot that lacks data, then I would say for sure, <laughs> go out there okay. and measure. But yeah, no, it's uh, we're looking for um, both temporal and spatial uh, coverage. So, so getting a lot of data uh, throughout the winter season is very helpful because all those data points help inform our modeling. So, you know, get out there when the snow starts falling and get out there when it's starting to melt away and log those areas where the snow is gone because that helps us tell, okay, here are very sparse areas uh, where it melts out quickly. So that's that's very informative. Even zero snow is an important number. Hmm, okay. And how about, um, it looks like, you know, I was just at your website and it looks like you have a, a contest or something coming up, right? Yeah, that's right. We have a contest starting this weekend on January 15th. It's a month-long contest, so it runs through uh, February 15th, and it's a classic data collection contest. So we're just encouraging our users to go out, measure snow depth. Uh, measurements need to be 100 meters apart. That's just to kind of set some rules that you can't just go out and poke around in the same spot 100 times. <laughs> okay. You need to cover some ground. Um, but then submit your measurements, and the winners will be the ones that submit the most measurements. So wow. it's a very, very simple contest rules. Uh, submissions, though, for this contest need to be submitted in uh, Snowscope. So we're only looking at submissions in Snowscope, but we have some really, really great prices from um, Backcountry Access. Um, so there's, uh, there's good opportunity and um, we're looking forward to see all the submissions. Okay, but now you said there's a, um, uh, a limit as far as the, the, um, how close they are. How about how close they are in time? Uh, can you do it? In the same place, then the same place the next day, the same place the next day, on and on through the month? I mean, I guess <laughs> you sorry, I don't want to give you any ideas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You wanted it over time. Um, right. But, yeah. Yeah, you could. But if there's no change, you know, from yesterday, um, if there's nothing to report at all, um, you know, the question remains if that's really informative. But I guess it is, you know, at the same time it is. Um, because you know our modeling is is um, informed by by um, by weather models, and so you know it's it's a it's a stepwise process where all these measurements that we receive from our participants are really validation whether our modeling is doing a good job, and then it helps to correct the modeling. So you know if there's um, if there's uh, weather for uh, weather model that's that's telling our model that there should be more snow there than it actually is, then that's really good information. So, um, yeah, going having some certain spots that you tend to go back to is it's interesting for us, but it's also really interesting for the user 
because then they start to learn, you know, how the snowpack stacks up, and when there's no additional snow, how the snowpack uh, compacts throughout the winter. So that's interesting as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, to share? Well, I, I really look forward to the size starter event. Uh, uh -huh. Looking forward to see new faces, folks that are interested in in snow. Um, we we love to share and, and spread the awareness of snow. Um, all of us on the team are, of course, uh, well, not of course, but we do love winter sports. Yeah. Uh, but it's really fun for us to see uh, that you can love snow even if you don't necessarily recreate in snow and all the joy that it brings. And um, yeah, we love sh we love sharing that sort of awareness that um, the snowpack matters to us and. Um, you know, you being a non-scientist uh, can really contribute to science. So we're excited to, to make people feel empowered in that way. Great. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Katrine mentioned that she's looking forward to the SciStarter Live event, which is on January 24th, 2023. You can find the link to that at SciStarter.org by selecting the calendar option. And if you're getting this after January 24th, you can still check out the video of that live event at the SciStarter YouTube channel. Finally, remember that even if you're in a place that doesn't have snow right now, you can still contribute your data to the project. Just remember to update your location when it does snow there. That's all for now. I'm Bob Hershon. See you next time. This podcast is brought to you each month by SciStarter, where you will find thousands of citizen science projects, events, and tools. It's all at SciStarter.org. That's S-C-I-S-T-A-R-T-E-R dot org. SciStarter's founder is Darlene Cavalier. And thanks so much to you, the listener and the citizen scientist, for getting involved and making a difference. If you have any ideas you want to share with us and any things you want to hear on this podcast, get in touch with us at info at SciStarter.org. Once again, our email address is info at SciStarter.org. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>